Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to season two, episode five of Best Movie, Worst Movie, where we, of course, take a collection of films and we adjudicate and pronounce what is the best movie out of that group and what is, of course, the worst movie out of that group. I'm one of your hosts. My name is John Campia. Good to be here, guys. And I'm also joined by my regular co-host, the one and the only Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. Robert, how you doing, sir? John, it is great to be here. I'm really looking forward to doing this particular episode. And uh, speaking of this particular episode, our regular co-host Cody Miller is, of course, getting prepped for the Olympics in a few months. So we are thrilled to be joined once again. He was with us last week. Uh, the one and the only Mr. Cliff Stevenson. Cliff, thanks so much for being here, man. Oh, thanks for having me back. I'm, I'm glad I, I did well enough that you would want me back. It was the DCEU one that we did last week, which was a lot of fun. That was great. And so this week, guys, we're going back. We're going back 10 years. We are going back, and today on Best Movie, Worst Movie, we are talking about the films of 2010. Guys, it was an amazing year in film in 2010. Of course, a lot of stinkers, too, in which we will get around to in just a little bit. But it really was a phenomenal year that that kicked off the decade uh, for us and just some incredible film that we still t- – a lot of movies that came out in 2010 that I remember as I was looking over the list – Going at least a dozen times, God, that movie wasn't 10 years ago, was it? And then in the next one, God, that movie wasn't 10 years ago, was it? Uh, it? It was certainly a collection of them. So let's not waste any time. Let's dive right into our best movies of the year that year. And I will I will kick us off on this one. I will kick us off on best ones. Now, I want to give an honorable mention here. I want to give an honorable mention to a film that I won't be surprised if one of you guys, because we have not talked about this. I don't know what you guys are going to say. I wouldn't have said this. The year came out, but it's just, it has stood up the test of time. Inception, uh, which is, is so weird. It is one of those films that you, you stop and go, wait, what? No, you can't. Inception didn't come out in 2010. Oh yes, it did. Uh, it is an older film now, ladies and gentlemen. You're getting older. It is an older film. But Inception, of course, was great on several levels. First of all, of course, Christopher Nolan was already his name by this point. Christopher Nolan was Christopher Nolan. It was a great story, a lot of depth to the story, some great talent in it, and visual effects that blew our minds. So we got into the, it was deep, twisty. It was Christopher Nolan getting into his visual effects era. It was great. So I just, I just wanted to at least give a mention. And there's probably about 30 other films I could give a mention to. But for me, the best film of 2010 also just so happens to have won the Academy Award for Best Picture that year. It also won the Academy Award for Best Lead Actor. uh, And of course, it gave us the director who would go on to create the masterpiece known as Cats. Uh, so, So there's that too. Keep that in mind. But of course, we are talking about the movie The King's Speech. This on its surface is not a movie that looks like a prototypical John Campia pick for a favorite movie anything. 
But this is a movie that blew me away on so many levels. And here's the brilliance of it. About 60% of this movie is two guys sitting in a room talking at various stages. Jeffrey Rush and Colin Firth at different points, just sitting down and chatting with each other. And every time they would, particularly this one scene that takes place in Jeffrey Rush's character's kind of uh, therapy office, where it's just these two leather chairs sitting over a table, leaning in towards each other and just talking for what felt like a good 10, 15 minutes. And I was riveted every step of the way. In today's Twitter generation that we are all a part of, where we are 140 or it might be 280 characters or less now, where everything's got to be action, something's got to be quick scenes, blah, blah, blah. This movie just saturated in the drama of the moment, the story of these characters and the dialogue and the chemistry and the relationship between them and how it evolves. And it just climaxes in such a beautiful, perfect way in the story. And it really is like everybody knew already Colin Firth was a great actor, but that was the one to me that made me go. He's not just a great actor. He is truly one of the world class. He is a world class actor. And I desperately, desperately loved him in this movie. I desperately loved uh, Helena Bottom Carter was fantastic in it. Uh, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Rush was fantastic in it. This is a movie that I, I don't say this often. It has no flaws. This movie has no flaws. Certainly, there maybe are a couple of elements that could have been better, but you're talking about changing a seven to a nine. This is a movie that had no flaws. And I was enraptured with it as much as the last time I saw it about six months ago, as I was the first time I saw it 10 years ago. It has made an incredible impact on me. And if I were to put together a favorite film of the decade list, I'm not 100% sure, but King's Speech might be number one on my best of the decade. That's how much I wow. love this movie uh, and just how much of a masterpiece I really feel it is. So for me, guys, my best film of 2010, I'm going with the King's Speech and put my stamp on it. So Cliff, let's go over to you. You can you can come up, uh, you can batter up here. All right. What would you say would, because that was a great year for Film Man, but what would you say stood out the most to you? So, okay, up until this moment, I have, there's two in my head and and, and I, ju I can't, okay, so the fact that you basically laid out Inception as, as a, uh, as kind of an honorable mention, that's one of my two. Me too. But it's not what I'm going to pick. Uh, but but I agree with everything you said about it. It is brilliantly crafted. It is Nolan, you know, as you said, at the height of his powers, coming off the dark night, uh, you know, the, the way it's practically done. It's very smart. It's it's gorgeous to look at everything about it. I agree. The movie that I am picking, however, I'm picking for a very specific reason, which is when I went to the theater to see this movie. It blew me away. And part of that is because I saw it in a the theater. But I can't deny that I j it just blew me away. And that movie is Kick-Ass. Whoa, I wasn't expecting wow. that. I was not expecting Kick-Ass to come up here. I love Kick-Ass. I do too. I was not, I did not read Kick-Ass. So I kind of went into it raw without any knowledge of what it was other than that it was supposed to be this R-rated comic book uh, movie. And, you know, we went opening night and it was like some sort of church revival. I mean, people <laughs> were screaming and cheering and it, it was just the, it was so adrenaline pumping. I mean, you, you've got um, Chloe Grace Moretz who nobody had 
you know, she's not on anybody's radar at this point. This little girl, foul mouth and violent and the action sequences in that and, and you know, her as hit girl and Nicolas Cage as big daddy, like just everything about that movie blew me away. And, and I went to see it probably four more times that weekend simply because I was like, I got to keep seeing this with the most people possible. Right. I do not want to wait and have this be, you know, me and four other people like the, just the response to it was so intoxicating. And, and I love that movie. I think that movie holds up incredibly well. Now Kick-Ass 2, I hate, can't stand Kick-Ass 2. And I think everything that's great about Kick-Ass is lost on Kick-Ass 2. But, but Kick-Ass is a totally, you know, I mean, listen, this is, this is pre Deadpool. This is, yeah, you know, yeah. we're not making R rated comic book, you know, what are you nuts? And the way that Matthew Vaughn created this world, uh, it, it just, it, it blew me away. And it, and it is a movie that I have gone back to many, many times and it never stops being fun. It never stops being entertaining. Uh, and I just, it, you know, it's one of the great experiences, theatrical experiences that I've ever had. And so I, you know, maybe that seeps into this somewhat and, and becomes sure. a little bit of a, 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 the elixir that, uh, that keeps me going, but I love kick-ass and, and, you know, I, I don't know that it's, I don't know that it's as good a film one-to-one -one as in, as Inception, you know, I mean, Inception is just so wonderfully built, but, but for me, Kick-Ass is, is to me the, the best thing I saw that year. You know, it's the funny thing to me. You mentioned Kick-Ass too. I, I've said this on my show before, but I knew Nicolas Cage as Big Daddy was great in Kick-Ass. I didn't fully understand how great he was in it or how important he was to it until I saw Kick-Ass 2. Mm -hmm. You know, there's an old saying, there's an old religious saying that says, uh, every person has a Jesus-shaped hole in their hearts. Kick-Ass 2 had a big daddy-shaped hole in its heart. <laughs> that I think right. was, they, it was, upon seeing Kick-Ass 2, you really realize, damn, that's how important he was. That whole presence of that character was in the first one. Um, and the music choices, la, 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 la. I mean, I, that's forever in your head. Probably my favorite sequence in the whole film is, is that whole gun battle. Yep. It's amazing. Uh, so that surprise, I what, dude, that is, I, I think I, I can't remember being this shocked about any pick, uh, but I'm, it's such a great one to hear. So I'm going with King speech. You're going with a very, very similar movie, uh, kick ass and, uh, Rob <laughs> going over to you. What represents to you the best film of 2010? Well, I too, first of all, have to talk a little bit about inception because I saw that movie eight times in the theater and I, that was the last time I'd seen a movie that many times in the theater. It really spoke to me. I was coming off of a breakup, I have to say. <laughs> and I, I, the movie was, it was all about loss and, and this profound sense of, of loss that a man had for his, his wife. And, and, you know, I don't know if anything in that movie was actually true. I think it's all a dream. I don't think there's any reality in that movie at all. I think it's a man caught in his own psychosis, but but that's also the brilliance of of what brilliant. Christopher Nolan did. He's 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 not telling you. No, he doesn't tell you. And like you said, it's so beautifully done. The production design, Hans Zimmer's score, that piece of music, time, everything about it. I just love, love, love that movie so much. I don't even know if it even quite holds together, because every time I look at it, I wonder. But the movie that I've watched the most 
I think, <laughs> since that I've owned on Blu-ray over the last 10 years. A movie that I refer to, well, I, I, I go back to it again and again and again. And it's a movie that gets increasingly more meaningful as the years have gone by is David Fincher's The Social Network. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I knew you would go with the that one. The Social yeah. Network is sure. Now, we all know it's the story of Mark Zuckerberg, a fictionalized Mark Zuckerberg, and and uh, the Winklevoss twins, and the creation of Facebook, and the how, how friends become enemies, how... Uh, what great intelligence can 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 give rise to in America. And it's also directed by David Fincher with such surgical precision. And you're basically going in and out of flashbacks during different um, depositions in various court cases. And you're going in and out. And it's really, it's people in rooms talking. But it's all about American innovation and how an idea literally can change the world, the beginnings of Facebook, but how how people with the best of intentions when they begin, how ambition and intelligence can lead to the destruction of friendships and 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 then can also change the world. And it's a movie that begins with a nine minute conversation between a guy and a girl in a loud bar, you know, and you think how what who does that? You know, and and the with uh, Rooney Mara, with Rooney Mara, with who later went on and played uh, Elizabeth Slander and the girl with the dragon tattoo. But it's a film that it's all about character and it's all about people and motivations and what drives an individual. And, and while I can never relate to Mark Zuckerberg as a, as an individual on a personal level, I really, um, his singular vision and his drive and his intelligence and all of the people that he meets. I mean, in a way I find it all aspirational because it's a movie about really, really smart people. And while they have a lot of problems banging into each other, I find the whole movie ultimately fulfilling because whatever you want to think about anybody, something was created that literally changed the world. And that's Facebook. And and it's funny because the ad campaign in that movie is when you get to 500 million friends, you're going to make a little you're going to make some enemies. You know, that yeah. was the Well, now Facebook has gone on far past 500 million and it's changed the world. It's changed the elections. It's changed the face of America. It's changed the way people think about social media. And in 10 years, the world has just changed. But that film, I mean, even, even the, the, the performers, you, you have David Fincher employing effects technology where, where you, 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 you have a twin being played by the same person. Army Hammer is playing both Winklevoss twins. And it didn't Which, even by start the way, out. When I first saw the movie, I thought, it, I thought it was literal twins playing roles. I did. It wasn't until after the fact that I realized it was the same guy playing. They the never roles. filmed at Harvard, you know, and, and the, the technology there and, and, uh, Justin Timberlake as Sean Parker, one of the founders of Napster, is great. Even even Dakota Johnson is in an early role in that movie as a girl he wakes up in bed with one morning. And and I just I love the film. Trent Reznor is the first time I believe that yeah Fincher and Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross had teamed up for that score. And everybody remembers that piano piece. Dun dun You know, you remember that. You hear it, and it's just I, I I love that film so much. You know, it reminds me another great film that came out that year was David O. Russell's The Fighter, uh, which won uh, a couple of Academy Awards, including Christian Bale his first Academy Award. But that was a travesty of justice for a couple of reasons. Number one, to the Social Network, 
Andrew Garfield, Ugh. I believe, which was really a lot of us, our introduction to Andrew Garfield oh, was that movie. And I, to this day, wholeheartedly believe, not only do I believe he should have been nominated for Best Supporting Actor, because he was the humanity in that movie. Yes. He was the the the, the heart of the, the true emotion and the true humanity of that movie was Andrew Garfield. I believe not only should he have been nominated for Best Supporting Actor, I believe he should have won Best Supporting Actor. But instead, Christian Bale got Best Supporting Actor. Not that I am besmirching his performance. He was not a supporting actor in The Fighter. He was every bit a lead actor in that movie as Mark Wahlberg was. They were co-billed. They were both on the poster. The movie's about both of them. It's He was the lead. They just decided for awards consideration to arbitrate decide to run him in in supporting actor but that re- always reminds me about social network because andrew garfield should have been nominated for best supporting actor but christian bale took a spot and i have to say you got to give a shout out also to aaron sorkin's fantastic screenplay oh obviously based yeah. on the uh was it the reluctant billionaires i think the novel um and uh the not novel the non-fiction account of, of facebook or maybe it's fictionalized according to mark zuckerberg but and also brenda strong who doesn't love or not brenda strong brenda song who plays who plays Andrew Garfield's girlfriend in the movie? That's right. She's she's totes adorbs, crazy. She might set your uh, set your sheets on fire, but who wouldn't want to date? Well, well, you know, one of the interesting things about Social Network is when you think about it now, ten years after the fact, you're kind of like that movie shouldn't have worked because we're we're still in the upswing of Facebook at that point. Like we're not, yeah. as you said, we're so much further beyond where we were in 2010. And you're like, really, you're gonna make a movie about this thing that's just starting to to really take hold of everybody? Like, so it's a, it's a, when you think about it, it's a weird time. You're not looking back on it. You're kind of building this movie while it's still happening. Well, yeah, and you have people in it like uh, Peter Thiel is played, you know, one of the great, uh, one of the great venture capitalists now. He's had 10 years of also changing the world. And it's it's really interesting to go back. I remember when that movie came out, it seemed so of its time. Like, this is so immediate. How could they make this movie? And they did. And I just, I, you know what? It's the characters. That movie is all about character, character, character. It's almost like all the president's men in that way, where it's like, we're making a movie while all this is still unfolding. Yeah. And, and you're, you're, you're kind of trying to stay just ahead of it enough to make it relevant without Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great, it's and a great choice. That's why I like the Lex yeah. Luthor in Batman V Superman, because I liked social network. I'm like, <laughs> You just imagine he's actually Lex Luthor is just the change name that he took from Social Network. That's, and this is him not growing I, that's up. exactly how I felt about it. I'm like, how can you not like this casting? <laughs> um, okay, so what we've got for best of, we got King Speech, we got Social Network, we got Kick-Ass. Let's go in reverse order now here as we talk about the worst films of 2010 Dude. in as much as there's a lot of glory. In 2010, there's also a bunch of refuse in there as well. So let's go in reverse order here. Rob. You just gave your best. Start talking about the worst. What was to you the worst example of a film in 2010? Well, I'm going to talk about a film that is such a monumental, crushing disappointment because it has such wonderful source material to draw upon. And it is it is it was it was directed by a director who began his career with with big highs, became a a man who was beloved in America that had such a turn, such a change of fortune, and ended up directing really some of the most god-awful movies I've ever seen. And, and this movie is certainly at, at the top. 
and I'm going to give it to the Sham Hammer, M. Oh, Night Shyamalan, <laughs> and his adaptation of The Last Airbender, Avatar, where he the last, tr- the last yes, the last Avatar, the the, the last yes, the last Avatar, yes, the last Airbender, Avatar, the last Airbender, based on the great animated series. My God. How do you fuck up a movie so badly? I here's a movie where people just show up and tell you everything they're going to do. They just they just talk about it. They tell you everything that's on their mind. I mean, this was a, a wonderful animated series that was so developed and so interesting and such a great world and such a great mythology. And apparently he was a huge fan like him and his kids watched it and he wanted to do this he lobbied the creators and producers the enemy series were producers on the movie everything was there everything was there and i i saw this film and i just watched this and i'm like this is truly wretched this is such a a misunderstanding everything that made that animated series great is nowhere to be found in that film and i i i just don't know what happened it was one of those it was a movie that I got progressively more angry as I watched it. Now, it, it might not have been as difficult to watch as, say, The Happening, where I wanted to laugh at every scene, but it was just so wrong-headed. It seemed like every camera angle was wrong. The performances were stilted. The, the script didn't do anybody any favors, and nobody looked the way they were supposed to look. And I just hated every moment of this movie. And when you first, when I first heard the the, the term sham hammer, it came out of your mouth. <laughs> I'm like, that movie was sham hammered. That's exactly what happened to it. <laughs> and and I didn't until until you you said that word aloud and I heard it for the first time. I never quite understood. Well, that's what happened. It was sham hammered. And <laughs> boy, is that a disappointing film, especially if you love that show. And and there is a fan base connected to that show that were so devastated by that. And you know what the funny thing is? Because M. Night was kind of, he was already in a downward trajectory at that point. And we saw the trailers for Avatar The Last Airbender. And a lot of us thought, okay, okay, everything's fine now. M. Night is going to get back on track. Uh, This looks pretty good. And it did look pretty good. And then we watched the movie. And it was so wretchedly horrible. I remember the first time I saw it, it was uh, in a theater and the movie ended and there was a couple there, younger couple. You could tell they were both Avatar. They're, they're both Avatar fans. And the girl was literally yelling at her boyfriend at the end of the thing, <laughs> not because she was mad at him, but he just the boyfriend was the no pun intended, was the avatar for M. Night, I think. And she would like, everybody in the theater just stopped leaving because they wanted to hear this conversation. This girl just yelling at her boyfriend of all the ways this movie fucked everything up. And she was so angry and so mad. I thought she's probably a representation of a lot of people out there right now. And that is truly one of the awful ones. So guys, we got one vote here. See, and I can't can't even discuss it because this movie is so universally reviled. I never even saw it. Because by the time it came, like it didn't take long for word to be like, oh, this thing is horrible. And I was like, all right, great. Time, uh, time saved. Noted. <laughs> I never saw it. So I can't even, it, you know, it wouldn't have made my list because I've never even bothered with it. 
and you have won at life. Hey, you, you are winning at life as it turns out. Rob, you can't see it, guys. Rob is still shaking his head. Ten years He's later, I want my it. two hours back or my hundred and plus minutes back. I mean, it's just but I mean, you know what? I take no pleasure. I want every movie to be good. You know, of you course, want yeah. there's so much time and effort that's put into making these things. And and when I see films that go so horribly awry, I wonder, you know, as an editor myself, I've been in edit bays for thousands of hours working on films. And I don't know how something like this happens. Don't you know, like, aren't you on set looking at the monitors and and looking at your dailies going, we, we need a little bit of a course correction here. But it was more than little. It, I mean, that's the thing. It was more than a little course cor- correction that was needed in that point. All right. So we got one vote here, vote, vote here for Avatar The Last Airbender. Clearly, having not seen it, that will not be your pick nope. here today, Cliff. But I'm sure you got a good one for us. What is your representation of the worst of 2010? All right. So like best. Okay. When looking at the list, there were really only a, a couple of of films that kind of jumped out as like, oh, that would be a contender. That would be a contender. Like it, it wasn't a long list that you would think are the best of the year. When it came to worst of the list, that list was pretty long. Like when it came to worst <laughs> of, I was like, ooh, there's a lot of really bad stuff. And it's like, well, this is bad in this way. And this is bad in that way. And it kind of, for me, it came down to two films. And I'll give kind of a runner up. And I'll tell you why I'm excluding it. My runner up was a movie that for all intents and purposes should have been great because it had talent behind it. It had a a, a very legendary comedy director and it was Valentine's Day. Oh, I know what you're talking about. And that's a terrible movie. And that would have been, you know, you've got Gary Marshall directing, yep. you've got all of these, every, you know, major star in Hollywood is all part of this. It's this big anthology story. And I was like, oh, that that's my pick. And then I kind of threw it out because I went back and I looked through Gary Marshall's Valentine's filmography. Day looked great. It, it looked, looked great. great. Yeah. But then I went back and I looked through Gary Marshall's filmography and I was like, oh, he hasn't actually made that many great films. <laughs> like we go, okay, Pretty Woman, he's much bigger in TV. So I kind of couldn't hold it against him that he'd made a terrible film because I was like, oh, he's been making terrible films for decades. It's just the one or two that kind of broke out. So I kind of threw that one out. And what I landed on was, it, 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 it's a movie, again, that had great source material to pull from, uh, had a lot of talent in front of the camera that that you could look at and go, this is going to be amazing. And in the 29 years, I guess, since they had done this prior, the technology had, had advanced to where this thing's going to be a home run. Oh, I thought I knew what one you're going to pick, but I'm not sure now. The, the, the one I'm picking is the 2010 remake of Clash of the Titans. Oh. A movie that should have been amazing. With Liam Neeson. (laughs) Should have been amazing and was just kind of awful. And, and, you know, we saw it in 3D. The 3D was terrible. That was rushed. Same with Last Airbender. Yeah. 3D was terrible. Yeah, that was a a point. You know, everybody's coming off of of James Cameron's avatar where now everything's got to be 3D. So story is secondary characters are secondary everything's secondary to the 3d conversion and i think this is a movie that sort of got buried in its ambitions and i remember watching it and just kind of being like this is awful and and you know we've we've had a clash of the titans that's great 
and that, that I love and, you know, Ray Harryhausen. And it's this, you know, it's this amazing kind of throwback piece, but man, do I not like Clash of the Titans, the remake of Clash of the Titans. And that was right in the midst of when they were really trying. There was a real belief that Sam Worthington was a big, big right. star. Yep. Again, and, yeah, coming off of Avatar. Coming off like, of oh, Avatar, yeah. He's going to be the next big thing. And this is a huge, this is a huge uh, star that we're putting in this. And then it just kind of lays there. And it's not, you know, and yeah, you've got Liam Neeson. You've got all this, like, you've got all this talent behind the camera, in front of the camera, all this technology at your disposal to really, you've got the, the Greek mythology of, of Perseus and, and, and Zeus. And, and then it's just like, Eh, here it is and it's in 3d and it's not that great it's a fun. great example of i try to explain to people a lot that sometimes like people ask how do they even make this movie right <laughs> i actually months before the movie came out i got my hands on the script of clash of the titans and it read pretty well i remember i read the script and i thought you know what? This this could be it's a this is a great example, a textbook example, the poster child, if you will, for just because something worked on a page doesn't mean it's going to get executed right. And it can be totally lost in that right. translation. And that's a movie they did because I remember thinking, man, this script is actually pretty good. And then the movie came out and it was what it was. So that's a good one. So we've got uh, we've got Clash of the Titans. We've got uh, Last Airbender. I was str I struggled with this because I had it's hard, right? I had three <laughs> particular because <laughs> Clash of the Titans really could have been up there, too. I kept coming down to three and I did make my pick. But the three I came down to was one was Avatar The Last Airbender. That was one I really considered for worst of another one that I, I had really came close to picking. Also, tremendous source material, uh, some very good talent in front of the camera. Jonah Hex. Uh, that with, was my second choice with Josh yeah. Brolin, Megan Fox, um, and actually some people we know yeah. were attached to that yeah. film. And eventually they was ended up being directed by the director of Horton. Here's a who. Yes, they got the director of Horton. Here's a who to direct an R rated. Well, what they wanted to be an R rated kind of film anyway. So that one was also truly horrible, especially when you consider the potential that that movie had. This isn't the sexiest pick. But I, it's so undeniably awful. I keep coming back to it. So my pick for worst of 2010, Bruce Willis, Tracy Morgan, directed by Kevin Smith. Oh, I like that movie. Cop Out. <laughs> you like Cop Out? I do kind of like Cop Out. Oh. I'll tell you why after you tell me why you All don't right, like so it. All right, so here's the thing. Oh, this, this is a movie that was so misguided right from the beginning. And look, let me be on record here. I am a, I'm a big fan of Kevin Smith, but most of the stuff of his that I really love is stuff that he also wrote. He did not write this movie. And he stepped in and this was a very different kind of movie for him to direct, which I, again, I guess I want to see my director step out of their comfort zone. So that's good too. But Sitting down and watching this movie, it was the first time, although it had been happening for a while, that you could just tell Bruce Willis didn't give one shit about the movie he was in. <laughs> and never has that been more apparent than the most recent Death Wish he just did this past year. Right. You just tell he didn't give a crap. I don't even know if he knew what movie he was shooting. But you watch Cop Out and you could tell he does not care 
at all. And there are some great stories that Kevin Smith tells now oh, about. Way him, more entertaining than the movie. Way more entertaining the movie about him and trying to deal with Bruce Bruce Willis. Did I say keep saying Bruce Smith? Anyway, uh, Kevin Smith trying to deal with Bruce Willis in the movie's over. And then Tracy Morgan, who is so naturally inherently funny. I don't know if he even knew what movie he was shooting. He was so disinterested. Like he just, he, he was bored. He just said he was bored shooting that movie. It is a movie that had no flow, no real story, no interest in the people in front of the camera to be involved, which just then tells me he's an audience member. Why should I be interested then? It is a true Hollywood train wreck epic. An epic of what a train wreck is. This was a, this was a major motion picture that went off the rails and never got back on. And so, wow, some great movies like Clash of the Titans, uh, Last Airbender, Jonah Hex, and there are others. I I got key got to keep coming back to cop cop out. But man, you like cop out. All right, out. so here so here's all right. Let me let me make a case for this. I, the reason why I kind of liked cop out was because I I kind of identified it and I saw it as. It's really an 80s buddy cop movie, you know, down to the Harold Faltermeyer score, the dialogue. It's very, you know, it's not, listen, it's not Lethal Weapon, but it's it's in the sort of spirit of like the running scared and, and 48 hours. It's got that kind of energy to it. It's definitely to me when I watched it, I was like, oh, this is a throwback. He's making an 80s buddy cop movie. He's not making a 2010 buddy cop movie. Like it has all of the, all of the tropes and all of the kind of shortcomings of a lot of those eighties buddy cop movies that preceded it. And I sort of saw it. I was like, Oh, I kind of dug that. I kind of dug that this was a throwback eighties buddy cop movie. And so, and so I've never, I've never, now I can't fault any of your logic behind (laughs) what you find wrong with it. But some of those things are are things now. The, look, the Willis thing that's on a different level because if you're you know if you're an actor and you're not participating in the movie that you're actually making, then you're probably not going to get beyond that in a lot of ways. But yeah, I remember seeing it and just being like, oh yeah, because I'm I'm a big Running Scared fan with uh, Gregory Hines, yeah. and Billy Crystal, love Lethal Weapon, Peter Himes, love, right? yeah, Peter Himes, love you know '80s buddy cop movies, and to me, Cop Out was like. Oh, he made an 80s buddy cop movie in 2010. Like but the lead actor didn't want to be there. You right. Can see it in every scene, just like John said. Right. And then hearing the stories of of the clashes that Kevin Smith and him had on oh, set. That, yeah. All because he just didn't even want to be there. I mean, it's it's some stuff. But anyway, guys, so there, there's our three <laughs> picks. We've got Clash of the Titans, uh, we've got Airbender, and we have got uh cop out for our best. We've had uh King's Speech, we had Kick Ass, we had the social networks. Question is, guys, what about you? What do you think were some of the best and worst examples of films from the incredible year of 2010? You can simply tweet to us and let us know what you thought. You can tweet to me anytime. You can follow me on Twitter simply at John Campia. Uh, Rob, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Burnett RM. Find me on Instagram at Robert Meyer Burnett or find me on my own YouTube channel, The Burnett Work, and my show, Rob Observations, the show about something. And Cliff uh, has already made it clear in the last episode that if you want to get a message to him, you're going to have to send a proxy through one of us. Yeah. But anyway, Cliff, again, thanks so much for being here. Oh, thanks man. for having it's me always, back. This is so great. It is also always great to have you in here. Anyway, guys, that will wrap it up for us for now for this week's installment of Best Movie, Worst Movie. Thanks a lot for being here. Make sure you subscribe on your podcast service of choice and become an evangelist for Best Movie, Worst Movie. Start telling the people uh, you know who are movie fans about this podcast as well. That'll do it for us for now, guys. My name is John Campia, and until next time everybody bye bye okay round two name something that's not boring 
a laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.